0: Hi, this is Charlie from the Thriving Educator podcast, and today we have Julie schmidt Hassan. We are going to talk about creating resiliency with your teachers, but like we talked about before we started recording, Julie and I have some information to share about you leaders too. So Julie, first of all, I am so glad you're here. Welcome.
1: Oh, Charlie, I'm so happy to see you. You know, I I see you online every day on social media, and I love your work, and I love your word thriving. Um, I've really been thinking about the importance of moving from languishing and surviving to thriving, so I'm so happy to talk with you about that. Oh, I'm glad,
0: too. You know, really, like, when we talk about thriving, like, my whole thought process around that was... Like kids, we need kids to thrive, right? But what about us educators and what about leaders? And you and I were just talking about superintendents because you're a professor and you work with leaders, administrators, and superintendents, and that group is kind of struggling. So before we dive into the teacher resilience, what about resiliency stuff in your book? Because that's really exciting. Uh, what, what's going on with superintendents and leadership in our school mm-hmm. districts and system right now?
1: They're resigning at a higher rate than almost any other role. And I think part of it is the politics of that role right now. It's just difficult to navigate the politics. Their responsibilities are greater. Their resources are less in most states. Um, So in many ways, it's like teachers, except that they're 24-7 responsible for so many people and they need what you've given them, Charlie, which is all of those mental health resources, but also some ways to think about the challenges. And the ones who are doing well are navigating the challenges as if those challenges are opportunities and not interruptions to the work. So Mm -hmm. I, I think about that burnout piece a lot in terms of how do we navigate challenges. And I think for them more than anybody, we have to pay attention to that.
0: Wow. Okay. There's a lot there because you (laughs) used a word that it stuck out to me because it it is such a simple shift in our thinking, which there's a part in your book that I absolutely like, like we got to talk about this. And it's about that rethinking part, but you said the word opportunity. So looking at it as an opportunity, why is that so important to look at situations as opportunities?
1: For me as an educator, I know that the way I navigate challenges will either light me up or burn me out because the challenges are inevitable, whatever our role, but especially for leaders. So if the challenges for me feel like an interruption, a frustration, a burden, something that's getting in the way of my work, then I really feel like tired, exhausted, burnt out at the end of the day. But if I can say, ooh, here's this challenge, and within it is an opportunity if nothing else, for me to grow and learn. But if I really dig in, most of the time it's an opportunity once we get past the hard part to improve. So, to improve outcomes for each and every student, to improve how we support our teachers. There's something in there that can help us come out the other side better. And if I focus on that, I feel energized by the challenge instead of worn out. And I, superintendents are hit with these challenges, rapid fire all day, every day. And I know it's a practice that's difficult, but if we can start framing things that way, I think we will feel a little more satisfied, maybe find a little more joy in the work.
0: Okay. What is their biggest complaint when it comes to their teachers?
1: Right now, it's keeping them. Because teacher retention is such a struggle. There aren't people coming to take the place of the ones who are leaving. I work in a university that has a, a great teacher prep program. We aren't producing enough for our partner districts. We're trying. We're recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, and we're keeping them once they come. But every day I get a call. Hey, Julie, does your university have anyone coming out with an exceptional children's degree with a math education degree, science, Um, and it used to be just those sort of hard to fill areas. Now it's everything. Do you have anyone coming out with an elementary ed degree? So I think their biggest worry right now is not just how do I get great teachers, but how do I keep them? Mm -hmm. And I think the way that you talk about teacher
0: resilience and how the leaders can foster that in their teachers, I think that's the solution. I mean, isn't it? I mean, when I work with people therapeutically, it's about how to, like, because life's tough. And so is this, so is this profession. And if we can build our own resiliency towards all the stuff that's thrown at us, we will absolutely thrive. We can thrive. I think that's the message that
1: you and I both share, right? Is that accurate? Absolutely. I think our work intersects in so many ways. But part of what you and I both talk about for teachers and leaders is this idea of modeling. So we have to be able to to regulate our own emotions and sort of manage our own states Mm -hmm. if we want the people we lead or teach to do that as well. We can't force anybody to, to reframe their challenges or to practice all of the mental health strategies that you give them, but we can model it. And if they see it working for us, they might be more likely to try it themselves.
0: Wow. It's good. The modeling's huge. And I do sometimes believe that when they hear that they need to model something, Mm -hmm. that in itself feels overwhelming. So how would you address that when they're like, gosh, I'm sick of being this for somebody else. I need to have somebody be there for me, (laughs) or I need to
1: not have that kind of pressure. How would you address that, Julie? You know, for me, most of the time, what's good for kids is good for teachers. It's not that we're doing something that's good for kids at the expense of our teachers so I feel like almost anything I was talking to um, someone who was looking at different ways to handle discipline in their school and I just listened to your episode with Josh Stamper oh yeah yeah. he's full of strategies yeah
0: he's great but if
1: we talk about things that reduce the conflict between teachers and kids which is in so many ways regulating our own emotions and not reacting and figuring out how to navigate a challenge in the classroom, that's good for kids, keeps them in class, keeps things from escalating, but it's also good for us because if we go through the day constantly having conflict with students and colleagues, we're worn out at the end of the day. So anything that I have ever suggested a teacher or a leader model is as good for them as it is for the people they're modeling it for, if that makes sense. It
0: definitely does. It definitely does. And it, it actually makes us stronger leaders when we can do that ourselves. I mean, when we lose it too, we're like, shoot, you know, but we will, (laughs) we will, we will, we have, and we will continue to, but hopefully we do it less and less or it's not as big as it used to be. Right. And there's,
1: That's an opportunity to, I mean, a mistake is an opportunity too, to reflect on, whoa, like what happened there? And what can I learn from that? And then to model for kids a sincere apology is such a great lesson. And so many kids over the years have said to me, no adult has ever apologized to me before. And some of them are due a lot of apologies. They
0: are due. They want to feel so valued. I mean, like we all do, like we all do, like we all do. Okay. I want to dive into something in here too. So this is the book, The Pause, Ponder, and Persist. And I love the word persist because yes. we have to keep moving on. I mean, we don't want to get stuck in despair. That That mm-hmm. is a dangerous road for anybody, especially our kids. But that's why teachers are leaving, right? Mm-hmm. They don't feel like there's that hope. So I really love what you wrote in here. You have this one page that I, I marked here, like leveraging the power of persistence you have leveraging the power of persistence. And so I'll, I'll, name the three. And then I'd love for you to expand upon this because people, if you're listening and you haven't gotten this book yet, you really need to get this book. Oh, thank you. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. This one's on page 43. I'm like, Oh, I'm marking this for the podcast. So, okay. um, but here are the three things. So persistent pausing, persistent pondering. And the last one is consistent persistence. So can you? Talk I, about I'm this? just
1: proud of you for being able to say that. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I <laughs> it, it takes persistence just to get through that sentence. <laughs> um, I wanted to say when I studied this was all this all came out of my research on teachers who are not just really effective but still find high levels of joy and satisfaction in their work. And after observing them for I, hundreds of hours and interviewing them, they did these three moves. They paused when a challenge happened, took a breath, took a beat. They pondered, so they just got really curious instead of judgmental. And then they persisted in that dance of this practice. So what I wanted to say is these are practices. Learning to pause when your emotions are escalating is a practice like you just said, we won't do it perfectly every time i'm still working on it and it's my research i read a whole book on it still practicing (laughs) pushing aside assumptions and judgment and criticism when a challenge happens either of ourselves or someone else is a practice and then consistently practicing that takes this level of commitment and persistence and I think that's what I was trying to say. This isn't something that, oh, I read the book and I went to Julie's training and now I've got it. <laughs> We're going to continue practicing these things. But over time, they get a little more natural and they get a little bit easier. And we tend to go there a little quicker than early in the practice. Really, it's it's
0: mindfulness. It is. And and what what's interesting about the world of education and professional development is when you have too many buzzwords, teachers mm-hmm. roll their eyes, right? So mindfulness right. when it was introduced is like, wow, that's great. And then they rolled their eyes eventually because it was shoved down our throats. Mm-hmm. And that's like with trauma and resiliency. But they are absolutely important. So what I love about that and your your approach to this, Julie, is that it can easily integrate into the day, all day, anytime. And it only takes a matter of seconds to truly make a transformational shift. And when you build proficiency in this, imagine everybody in your school community building that proficiency together, modeling it and picking it up from, you know, the kids pick it up. So let's talk about what your vision is once people know how to do that.
1: What will a school community look like if they actually do practice this and persist? My hope and what I've seen in some of the schools I've worked with is that instead of feeling like, oh, this is something that's going to add to my plate, this is another thing I have to think about, do that it will lighten the plate a little bit because it will do a couple of things. First, it will reduce the conflict. So instead of escalating a challenge or a difficult situation, we'll be able to move through that a little more easily, especially with student behavior and relationships with students in the classroom, even relationships with colleagues. If we can regulate ourselves, if we can take that pause, get really curious, we are less likely to say or do something we'll regret that will make it worse. So I'm hoping it will be helpful in that way and strengthen relationships in that way. But I'm also hoping it will, like you said, build our resilience. So we're not just growing stronger, we're staying longer, but we're staying longer in work that we love, that feels satisfying, that feels joyful, that feels peaceful.
0: Yeah, that's what people go into teaching for. They really, Mm -hmm. they have that passion. So it's not like they never had it. They did. It's there, isn't it? So that's, that is the challenge is to finding that and getting the leaders to help their teachers find that and keep that. So I think that's exactly what the work is that you're doing, which is awesome.
1: And to focus on, like, I always think about that Venn diagram, of things we can control, so that locus of control, and things that really matter. And can we stay in the intersection of that diagram? Because that's where the lifeblood of teaching is. Things that matter, which usually has to do with our kids, our students, and then things under our control. If we can focus in that space more, I think we'll feel better at the end of the day. Yeah, it's an easy visual too. It's easy to go back and just visualize that
0: and and just kind of keep realigning right yeah. um, i want to ask you in the work that you're doing because it's very rigorous i love the research that you you have done it it matters so much to the profession so how much does guilt and that shame and that pain that we carry around as human beings how what kind of role does that play in how people can persist and move forward
1: i'm helpful for a couple of things one is if we learn to use this framework consistently we will have less regret and we'll be able to let it go when we do make a mistake, make amends, find the opportunity for growth in it and release it, um, make amends with anyone who may have been impacted by our quick reaction instead of our thoughtful response. So there's there's that piece of it for me, but also I'm I'm thinking a lot about this idea of a practice you know and over time just practicing something that's more peaceful and the impact that that can have mm-hmm. and think of our kids here
0: for a second if kids are practicing this framework
1: mm-hmm.
0: what what does their future
1: look like for them you know if you can you talk about in your in your work so often just the power of a deep breath of breathing if we can teach them to pause and take a breath when things get hard and approach things through a curious lens. Like, Oh, I always, I love the little word, huh? H U H huh? (laughs) When something goes down, if we can just stop for a second, take a breath and do a, huh? Didn't see that coming or huh? Well, this is a tricky situation. Then we can move through that situation more thoughtfully instead of reacting.
0: Yeah. I mean, that pause is so very powerful. It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And kids are kids can be resilient and all of that. I know that. But if we can give them the tools very early on to help them not rely on somebody else for their own regulation, that right. or just get the reminder that they just have, if they have those three simple tools that you give. So can you tell those again? Sorry. So the pause that do you have, I would love to know the framework a little deeper. I'm not
1: sure we covered that. And I probably should tell you like where it even came from. So oh, good. good idea, I could have asked that question. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go backwards to go sure. forward. Sure. When I left my job as a principal in 2015 to become a professor and I had to answer a research question, I had to have a focus for research, I wanted to look at long-term teacher impact. So what do teachers say and do that makes this lasting impact on our lives? And I interviewed hundreds of former students They're not hard to find, like people age 18 to 85 about the teachers they remember and people love to talk about their favorite teachers. And I came up with these three things. They felt safe and seen and stretched. That was the first book. I loved doing that research, spent about five years on it, and then 2020 came Hmm. and teachers were already struggling a bit. We went to remote instruction, most of us, all the complications of the pandemic and they were struggling more than ever. Mm -hmm. So I decided to shift a little and think about how do teachers navigate challenges? And as soon as we were all back in places where we had a little bit of capacity, a little bit of space, and I could get back into schools, I started observing teachers who either I knew because I knew them, navigated challenges well, or their principal said, hey, this is a teacher who really has a way of working through a challenging situation, either with a kid or with a colleague or with a family or with with work in general. And when I went in to observe these teachers, I noticed when something went down, you could see them take a breath. And I'm not sure it was something they were aware of. I don't know that they stopped and thought, oh, I need to take a breath, Mm -hmm. but they automatically did. And you could see them and stop for a second and then decide how to respond. And most of the time, I know they were asking questions to themselves because I interviewed them after. But they were also asking questions about the situation to the student to the colleague to whoever was involved to try to get more information so they can make a better decision. And then I noticed how they over time persisted in that in the work how they thought about their work, how they made decisions, how they interacted with people. So that's really where those three pieces came from. Over and over again, these teachers who were very effective and also very resilient did that. They paused, they pondered, they got curious, and they persisted in those practices.
0: Do you know, well, was there any correlation to what their home life was like as well for those teachers?
1: You know, I didn't dive into their personal lives much, except occasionally when we talked about resilience, some of them, like all of us, either had aging parents or young children or other kinds of stressors at home, which I'm certain made an impact on, like like all of us, that will impact our resilience, at least temporarily. Um, But I didn't talk too much about how they used it in their personal lives, but I have to think it was such a way of dealing with things for them that they probably use that with their own children, with their spouses, with their friends and their families as well. Yeah, I can see that because,
0: well, you know that educators are such great compartmentalizers. I mean, Mm -hmm. we really do a good job of leaving stuff behind getting to the, we're in front of kids and most of us are pretty responsible and understand how important that role is and we're compartmentalized. And I think that there's probably a story behind every single teacher who was able to take that breath, ask themselves those questions in that few seconds probably, and then realign, readjust
1: or respond rather than react so And it's, yeah. it's one of the things we love most about teaching, isn't it? When you're in there with the kids, you can't think about anything else. Like, you, In order to do it well, you have to be completely engaged in the work and completely engaged with the people in front of you. And so you get to forget some of those other things for a while. Absolutely. When you work with these, administ- let's say with the
0: administrators who are leading a school, what do they need from you the most? And then what are you giving them that helps them with that?
1: I think administrators right now need permission to do a couple of things. Um, One is to not take on everyone's problems. So to be able to say, okay, you've come in here with a problem. This is not our problem, (laughs) but I'm willing to talk you through it to support you in any way. And it it would help our administrators a lot if they stop trying to solve everybody's problem because they just don't have the capacity at the end of the day. I have a, A mentor I love, Dr. Dudley Flood, who says it's like people bring you a monkey and they say, here, now it's yours. And at the end of the day, your office is full of monkeys and you're exhausted. (laughs) So there's one permission to not solve every problem, but also permission to give their teachers room to respond to students in the way they need to respond and time. And sometimes I think... As administrators with the best of intentions, we assume what our teachers need. Like it's it's easy to assume they mm-hmm. need something. Yeah. But given the time and the space and then an opportunity to find out what they really need, we could do a better job. I have this principal I love who I worked with. He's in New Jersey. And it was last fall. His teachers were very stressed you, you could feel the stress so he contracted a yoga instructor to come and do yoga on the lawn which was lovely oh, nice. but it was the day before conference night and you have never seen such stressed teachers trying to do yoga <laughs> so he learned not to assume what they need but to ask what they really needed at that point was time and he's learned to find ways to ask what they need so i think it's it's both um not taking on all of their problems which i think we want to do because we're worried about their resilience and we care about them but we can't do that and and we take away their opportunities right to navigate those challenges and get stronger when we do and also ask them what they need instead of assuming which is really the pondering right be curious ask questions what do you need how can i best support you yeah the
0: pondering is is really helpful What do you say to an administrator who does ask those questions and really does attune to the needs of their teachers, but they can't give them what they need and what they ask Mm. for?
1: Sometimes I think acknowledging that we know that when we think about trust, transparency is part of trust. And as a former principal, I can't tell you how many times I said to my teachers, we have to do this. I'm not sure I wholeheartedly agree with it, but this is what we've been told to do. I understand it's gonna be difficult. Here's why we have to do it. How can I best support you through this? What do we need to get through this? Um, Acknowledging that is important. The more we can filter things out for our teachers, um, sometimes my, my most important job was to be that bubble over our school and try not to let the unhelpful things come in and try not to let things get to my teachers that weren't helpful. But I do I think listening, like listening, um, as you talk about active listening, being empathetic and demonstrating that compassion.
0: Yeah. It does go a long way. I mean, there are so many kids that I had in front of me in a therapy session who had a lot of real trauma, a lot of real stuff mm-hmm. going on. And we know that we have to send those kids back to some environments that we don't always agree with or like. Um but we still have to do it. And so I think about that. I think about those teachers going back into those environments that might be stressful, or there's a a kid that they are button heads with or, or whatever. But I do also believe that when we equip them, we give them more confidence and allow them to learn that what their own limitations are and to be able to respect those. And if they have a leader like you just, just mentioned, you know, you can't solve their problems all for them you're still there to, to for them to lean on. And that is powerful.
1: That's so powerful. It's so, so powerful. And when I think about resilience, whether you're a teacher or a leader, accepting is part of resilience, isn't it? Like just accepting the things you can't control. It is what it is, is a great motto for resilience, but also avoiding. Sometimes we bring the stress on ourselves, I learned not to turn on the news in my morning commute. I don't know why I was doing that. It was stressing me out. I was fully capable of turning the channel, turning it off. So if we can accept what we can't change and we can avoid the things that aren't necessary, that are within our control, that are stressing us out, that will go a long way, whether we're leaders or teachers in our resilience.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are simple concepts. These are simple tasks right? There's not easy, right? (laughs) Right. So why, if they are that simple though, and easy, right? Why aren't they doing it? Like, why aren't people doing this more?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Probably the same reason that I don't always practice pause pondering and persisting or avoiding stressors and, and worrying about things I can't change again it's being aware and i think we go through our day there's so much going on that we're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and we never stop to check in with ourselves Mm -hmm. and ask am i okay right now Mm -hmm. am i what do i need right now sometimes for me it's a glass of water because i've been hitting the diet coke really hard So. If we just stop, I have a a great principal I work with, we put a little check in sign that says, how are you doing? What do you need? He puts it on the back of the faculty restroom door, which is probably I say say by the coffee maker or where you fill your water bottle. Mm -hmm. But if we'll just get in the practice of stopping to check in and see how we're doing, we could practice those other pieces more consistently. What do you say to the people who
0: push back to say, well, if we keep talking about it, more of it's going to come up and we're going to be talking too much about it and we're going to just allow too much space for that? Like it's, it, then it gets overwhelming and then problems come out of the woodwork, is, w- is what I've been hearing
1: from some people. Mm-hmm. How do you address that? I think we'd go back to, we would be less likely to escalate a problem. Or to create a problem. I agree. If we just paused. I agree. Like just that alone. If you would just pause before you say or do anything in response to a challenge, you might find that the challenges are a little easier to navigate because you haven't escalated them or created them with a quick emotionally charged reaction. I love that. So truly the key takeaway is
0: pausing can make the difference between that helpful response. And a regrettable reaction, right? Yes. I know you mentioned that before. Yeah, so we don't want uh, we don't want to add to that regret and that guilt that we already carry around with us mm-hmm. from childhood for crying out loud, right? We want right. to step out of this day and feel okay about what we're doing. It sounds like that's the strong message that you're, yeah. you're constantly sending.
1: Yes, and then things are going to happen, right? That are way outside of our control we can't control anyone else's behavior anyone else's decisions all the crazy stuff that the legislators are doing outside of our control so when we pause we can remind ourselves this is not in my venn diagram of things that matter things that i can control so i'm going to let this go i'm going to take those deep breaths let it go awesome
0: well i don't know if people listening know this about you but you are I mean, you've done a a TEDx talk and it was about teachers that we remember and the impact they have on us. People who are in education right now, they want to make that impact, that long-term impact. Mm -hmm. So if they're incorporating that pause and that pondering and that persistence, what kind of impact are they going to make long-term on their kids?
1: I think in addition to the modeling that we talked about, so demonstrating for young people how to respond to a challenge but we know that impact happens in the context of a strong relationship and we can build a stronger relationship if we respond to a challenge in a helpful way instead of a reaction i use this example when i train teachers and it's funny because it lands a little differently with beginning teachers and experienced teachers so I say, you gave a clear direction. You're teaching this great lesson. You gave a clear direction for what they should do now as independent work. And from the back of the room, you hear the, I'm not doing that. Yes. (laughs) What do you feel? Our experienced teachers feel frustrated, angry, disrespected. Our beginning teachers feel scared. It's a threat. I'm not sure what to do. This could all fall apart. But for both of those groups, taking a breath, asking some questions to themselves, like what's really going on here? What am I feeling? How do I wanna to respond to this situation? But then asking questions to the student. In this case, not why questions, not why did you say that? Why aren't you working? What?" Because that's gonna make it worse, but how and what questions. What do you need to get started? How can I support you in getting started? What's got you stuck? Why, you know what about this is not appealing to you? Just asking some some questions, getting some information from the student, then instead of kicking the student out of the room, Mm -hmm. which we've learned makes a break in that relationship or saying something to embarrass that student, which also makes a break in that relationship, we've modeled what you do when someone says or does something that pushes your buttons and we found a productive way to move forward. That's an impact. And we think about impact as these big gains in their achievement scores or these these grand gestures impacted those small things throughout the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all do make an impact. They all build up. It's so true. And what I love about your website too, if people don't know about your website, it's called Chalk and Chances. Just go to chalkandchances.com. So what's on there are you've got... Four books, but one of them is a great little reference. It's a 10-minute pause for busy teachers. And it's something that, can you tell people about that? Because if they want it, they really need to go to your website. Um, and I will say, leaders, if you're listening, this is a great gift for teachers, even in the new year, to get them re- or, uh, re-energized. Can you talk about the 10-minute pause for busy teachers? I'm so
1: happy you said that because we didn't talk about this because we my team just made this decision last week. We were talking about oh, wow. how we can help teachers prepare for the new year. And so many teachers want to start a journaling practice. So we're getting ready to put the PDF of that journal up for free on the website. What? Nice. So yes, I'm so excited. Wow. Um, so if you want a printed copy, it's you can get it on Amazon. If you like to to write in a printed journal, it's there with all the prompts. But if you want to try on the PDF first, starting um by the time that you. Publish this episode Mm -hmm. of the pod. Certainly in the next couple of days, we're recording this between, I should say over a holiday break um, before the new year comes up. It's going to be there. So hop on the Chalk and Chances website. You can get that PDF journal. It has prompts to set an intention for the day, to set your focus for the day, to prepare yourself for the day ahead in the morning and then 10 minutes in the evening to reflect on the day, celebrate the wins, close the loop on the day, and get ready to go to sleep. Oh my
0: gosh. I'm I'm so glad I brought that up too. <laughs> People need to go get that. Again, you guys, it's chalkandchances.com. Make sure you go there. You'll also, when you go there, listeners, you'll see all the speaking that Julie does, and you'll definitely want to hire her as a keynote. She does amazing keynotes to energize your staff and to give them tools that they can just use every day to help to help re-energize. Them, but also create that resiliency you're looking for, and then also, Julie, you've got a great podcast too, and it's all about the lessons that we're learning. So, can you talk a little bit more about your podcast and where people can listen to it?
1: So, I do that podcast with my longtime teacher bestie. We've been buddies since middle school. We started teaching at the same time. She's a high school English teacher, the amazing Laura Estes Swilly. We used to jump on Zoom together after I moved away from her from Florida to North Carolina we missed each other we would zoom and we would find ourselves talking about teaching so this is just the two of us having conversations about the stories people tell about their favorite teacher and what that means for our work
0: yeah it's it's important that people listen to this so this is a really good thing that you're putting out and you and I are actually both speaking in North Carolina I'm excited about that we'll be there in Charlotte. Yes, if, if anybody in North Carolina wants to go to an amazing conference, make sure you get there, and um, it's, fe- it's well, I'm, I'm trying to get it, it's March? It is March, I Which... want to say 23rd, 24th.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It. it is, it's that Sunday to the Tuesday, right, and yes. it, I always go based on the schedule that I'm speaking, but I don't have the schedule just yet, but you and I will both be there with some rock star rock star speaker. So excited. so
1: excited. And David James, who really is the one who dreams has vision for this conference with his uh, committee and all of his educator friends does such a great job of deciding what teachers need most. It's all middle level educators. Mm-hmm. Goodness, middle level educators <laughs> have their share of challenges to navigate, but they're great. And it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to see you.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see you either. I mean, it'll be, it'll be so neat. And there's a lot of work we need to do together. I have some ideas we need to talk about. I'm excited Mm. about the future. I really am. Yes. Okay. Well, I've taken up so much of your time, Julie, my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. And again, everybody listening, please go to chalkandchances.com and check this stuff out. You need it. You, You need it right now in education for your teachers. Thanks again for being here, Julie.
1: Hey, thanks, Charlie. It was so
0: good to talk with you. I appreciate it. Okay, everybody, you can go to thrivingeducator.com if you need some resources. Remember, I've got that school mental health audit that if you go to thrivingeducator.com or sorry, .org. What am I saying? That's my own darn website, Uh, (laughs) thrivingeducator.org. It'll pop up on the screen. Just download. It's totally free too. Julie and I like to give out a lot of free resources to support you because we have a lot of work to do in education. But thank you all so much for being here. And uh, again, have a great new year and rest of your day. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Charlie.